Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. Right? He's a sports he's editor. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writers. And, uh, and a, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in the profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers... Loyola for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself and <laughs> asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. This, as they say, is April. That's kind of what we were saying last night when we watched North Carolina and Duke face off at the NCAA tournament for the first time ever. My goodness, what a game. People compare that game and the hype leading up to it to Larry Bird and Magic Johnson back in the day. I think that's a pretty apt comparison. That was a really good game. All-time classic. Coach K's career comes to an end. I didn't think it would. I thought Duke was going to have an easier time. but. Foul trouble. And you've also got to make your free throws. It's a good lesson for all you young basketball players out there. We have so much to get to on today's show outside of last night's classic. On today's Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW 88.7 FM, I am your host, Nick Schultz. Awesome to be with you here talking for the last time about college basketball. That's the last time you're going to hear that intro. We're going to go back to the normal intro starting next week because the NCAA tournament ends tomorrow. Final four was last night, two, well, one okay-ish game. It got good, then it wasn't good, then it was good, then Christian Brown hit the big three for Kansas. Kansas over Villanova in the first game last night. Kansas advances to the national championship, and then Duke Carolina. I mean, what more can you say besides Caleb Love? That was amazing, and I got to cover that game for on three. Cannot believe I had that byline. That was insane. Going to break that all down for you. We have plenty of news, though, outside of that, though. We have a jam-packed show. Two Loyola basketball players entered the transfer portal this week. One was surprising. One was not. I'll tell you why coming up here in a little bit. GW, I kept telling you George Washington's looking for a new coach because we're transitioning here from talking about Valley basketball to talking about A-10 basketball. And I kept telling you GW needs a coach. Well, they got one, and it's a big one. Also, Brad Underwood signed an extension this week. Remember, I had thoughts on that last week. And just before we were coming on the air, Thad Mata's back in the game. Can you believe that? If we have time, I've got some pro news I want to talk about. White Sox made a big trade this week, and then they missed out on a big trade today. Bulls are entering the final stretch of the season. Can they get that top four seed, which would be significant to some of us? And could Tiger Woods play in the Masters this week? Because it's Masters week, baby. I can't wait. I'm so happy it's Masters week, you know. I keep saying March is my favorite month of the year. Normally we have baseball in there too. But this week here, you got the transition from basketball to baseball with the Masters this weekend. It's going to be so much fun. I cannot wait for the Masters, especially if Tiger Woods is going to play. Got an update in a way on that. Might have some time to talk about that in the second half hour. But we're going to lead with that game last night. Oh my goodness. North Carolina Duke. Duke was winning at halftime. I thought Duke was going to take control in the second half. Mark Williams was out. He had two fouls, didn't play the rest of the first half. Mark Williams is a name I want the Bulls to watch for, by the way, in the NBA draft. Somehow, Duke was outscoring North Carolina with Mark Williams on the bench. But then, in the second half, North Carolina just took over. 
They went on an 11-0 run like shortly into the second half and didn't really look back. It went back and forth. I mean, I tweeted, I usually tweet the gif from Rocky Four where they're just going punch for punch. It's exactly what it was down the stretch. It seemed like every play they were making baskets. Neither team could get a stop. It was so entertaining. It was awesome. North Carolina came out on top, 81-77. I say again, that lived up to the hype. That was one of the most hyped-up college basketball games that I can remember. I mean, obviously I wasn't around for Magic versus Bird. I was back in, what, 79? I was born in 98. No way I was around then. So that was the most hyped-up game, or at least one of them, that I've ever been a part of. Watching that game, you could feel the stakes were high. Could it have been Coach K's last game? It was. 42 years at Duke, nearly 50 years in the game. What a career, first of all. And everything, everything he's done for the game of basketball, not just for college basketball, but even the pros when he coached the U.S. national team. So many accomplishments. And I know he's kind of a polarizing figure in college basketball. You You love him, you hate him. You know, you've got to respect him, though, no matter what. I mean, his accomplishments, all-time winningest coach, most NCAA tournament appearances, most NCAA tournament wins. What a career. And it's going to be really strange seeing John Shire on the sidelines next year instead of Mike Krzyzewski. And Mike Bray at Notre Dame. How can you not love this guy? You know, I love Mike Bray. He's just an awesome soundbite. He was on college game day yesterday. Now, remember, he worked under Coach K., for quite a while as an assistant before heading to Notre Dame. And he made the comment yesterday on college game day that Mike K could pull a Tom Brady. Could you imagine we have all of this with the retirement tour, losing to Carolina in the final four to end his career, and he pulls a Tom Brady and unretires and comes back? I don't think that'll happen, but just putting that seed in your brain. But man, that was wild last night. I cannot believe I had that byline for round three. Because I normally, I work until 5 on Saturdays on my 8-hour news desk shift. And I switch because of the Final Four. End up working last night. So I worked both the games. And I was on North Carolina Duke. It was insane. I tweeted at one point. I was trying to put together my story, my buzzer story. That's my instant gamer, instant game story that comes out as the buzzer sounds. And I had two sentences. And I think I ended up deleting those two sentences later on because it got so crazy. So, shameless plug, go check that out at On3. So now the national championship is set tomorrow night. North Carolina and Kansas. What a ride for North Carolina, too. I remember coming on this show, what was that, January? They didn't have a Quadrant 1 win. They just could not seem to beat, quote-unquote, good teams in the metrics. Amazing how that turned around. They beat Duke in Coach K's final home game. Now they beat Duke in the final four in what turned out to be Coach K's last game ever. Hubert Davis has done a heck of a job. And, I mean, I owe him an apology. I was skeptical. I wasn't sure if that was going to work. You know, they lost to Pittsburgh, I think, in February. And watching that team play, I wasn't sold. You know, I think I had them losing, it doesn't even matter about my bracket, it's on the other side of the room still. Would I have them losing second round? I think I had them losing the second round. I don't think I had them going to the Sweet 16. But they proved me wrong. Now they're in the national championship getting ready to take on Kansas, and Illinois fans' favorite person, Bill Self, is coaching the other team. You know, I know there's a lot of people around here because I live kind of in Illini basketball football territory. There are some people around here that have some opinions on Bill Self. Well, he's got Kansas back in the national championship game, and I think he's got a good chance to win. If it's me, I'm leaning Kansas here. I know North Carolina's got the hot hand. I know they just beat Duke. I know they ride the momentum. i got to go with Kansas, though. Achayabaji is unreal. Same with David McCormick. you got Remy Martin, if he can show up. If he shows up off the bench, Christian Brown hit some big-time shots yesterday, including the dagger three. I, I like Kansas. But then again, my bracket, I lost all my Final Four halfway through the Sweet 16. So what do I know? That's why they don't let me predict the games anymore. Either way, what a tournament it's been. I mean, it has just been absolutely crazy. And I 
I know it's an all blue blood Final Four. I know people were, oh, is that good for basketball? North Carolina wasn't supposed to be here. I mean, North Carolina was not supposed to be a Final Four team. I know Hubert Davis said in the press conferences, oh, we said at the beginning of the year we were going to make it to New Orleans. I get that. That's, that's coach speak. That's textbook coach speak. But looking at their resume, looking at how they were during the regular season, they weren't supposed to be here. And now here they are getting ready to play for a national championship. That's the joys of college basketball. That's why I say this is April. Normally the saying is this is March. But that's coming up tomorrow night. Should be a great game. And we are in the week of Jim Nance, by the way. This is a huge week for him because he's in New Orleans. Did both Final Four games last night. He has a national championship tomorrow. Then he's going to get on a plane to Augusta and go call the Masters this weekend. So we get our helping of Jim Nance this week. No, I think it's going to be a heck of a game tomorrow night, but I wanted to lead the show with the fact that Coach K's career is over. Wild game. Did not think it was going to go that way. It did. It was awesome. I think that was good for the game last night because you've got the sport's biggest rivalry, and that's not a stretch to say that Duke and Carolina is the biggest rivalry in the sport. On the biggest stage at the Final Four, Coach K's last game ever, it turned out to be. North Carolina had just beat Duke in Coach K's last home game. I think all of that, all of those storylines was really good for the game. I have not seen what the ratings were yet. I don't even know if they're out. But that was really good for the game last night. And I think that's especially good because I talked about this at the beginning of the tournament. I know people who aren't really into college basketball that wanted to watch the tournament this year because now it's back to quote-unquote normal. You've got the fans back. You've got the bands back. Last year it was in a bubble. This year they're all over the place again. You know, Notre Dame played in Dayton in the first four, got on a plane and went to San Diego. You know, the travel's back. There were people that were more interested in this tournament, and the fact that you had that game on that stage is awesome for the game, and I'm very curious to see the impact that has going forward. Now we're going to transition here because that was just my lead story. Got some transfer portal thoughts because Loyola got hit by the portal this week, and if any of my Loyola Rambler Nation listeners want to chime in, shoot me a tweet at NickSchultz underscore seven or slide into my DMs. I have my tweet deck open. I'll read what I can, assuming it's appropriate. So Loyola had two entries into the transfer portal this week. The Measy Anderson, that was, I think, on Tuesday. And T.Y. Johnson on Friday. No, that was not an April Fool's joke, which can we, before I get into this, can we talk about how stupid April Fool's Day is? I mean, seriously. Like, what, what's the point? I don't, I don't understand it. Prime example, Wisconsin put out a press release saying Brad Davison got another year of eligibility. There was no punchline in there outside of the quotes being just very, I guess, not poorly written, but very casual. It wasn't funny. Like, I don't, I didn't get it. So, April Fool's Day's dumb. I'm just going to be on that train. I'm going to, I'm not backing off of that. But T.Y. Johnson entered on Friday. It was not an April Fool's joke. He is in the portal. He put out a message on Instagram explaining his decision. Sounds like it just didn't work out, which that one, that one was the more surprising of the two because T.Y. is a Chicago kid. And I really thought he was going to be a big piece going forward. I know there was a video on Twitter. It was what? Before Arch Madness? I think that might have been before the Northern Iowa game where Lucas Williamson called T.Y. his quote-unquote son, which is very similar to how Ben Richardson took Lucas under his wing as a freshman, called him his son. So I thought T.Y. was going to stick around. That was surprising to me. Now, Demizi, this is one I tweeted, and i got to clarify some things here. You know, when I saw this come over, I was taking a nap. You know, and that's how I know it was Tuesday, because I work in the morning on Tuesday, and I took a nap. So I woke up and I had a couple notifications and they had the link to the verbal commits tweet and I retweeted it in my waking up state. I think I was up for all of 45 seconds and I retweeted and said I had a hunch this was coming and I had people, you got any more hunches? What do you, what do you know that we don't? It was a good guess. I have no sourcing on this. 
I had no idea that was coming. Now, I had just a gut feeling. You know, just reading between the lines. I'm getting really good at this. But no, I did not have any sources telling me Demise Anderson was going to transfer. Prime example, look at my surprise when T.Y. entered the portal. All I said was, uh-oh. I had no sourcing on this. So I wanted to clarify that. No, I, I have no idea if anyone else is going to enter the transfer portal. I'm sure I can hazard a guess or two, but I don't feel comfortable guessing on live radio. We're broadcasting to however many people listen to this show. But let's start with Demezi because he's the most interesting situation here. You know, he was actually the subject of the last story I wrote for the Loyola Phoenix before I wrote my farewell column. Transferred from Indiana, and that was in the middle of COVID. That was would have been April 30th. I remember it vividly because I wrote my farewell column on May 1st. So that was the last story I wrote for the Phoenix on the beat. Transferred from Indiana that year. Played a couple years for Archie Miller, who is now at Rhode Island. Played four games last year. Now, he was supposed to redshirt last season. When I say last season, I'm talking 2020-2021. And I had this I had sources on. They were not going to try to get him a waiver to get him another year of eligibility. They were going to redshirt him. I think the plan was, and this is, I didn't have anyone tell me this. I'm just speculating. I'm guessing the plan was to get him acquainted with the system. Maybe put him on the gold team, which is the scout team. And then work him in starting this year. Well, then the waiver came. And when I say the waiver, I'm talking the COVID waiver, which gave everybody a free year, essentially. And that's why it's so hard to predict who's coming back for another couple years. So he ended up playing four games last year, garbage time. It was that He didn't play any meaningful minutes. And then this year it comes out that he's redshirting, and so is Ben Schweiger. Or Ben Schweiger, I'm sorry. Ben, it's Ben Schweiger, Ryan Schweiger. So Demise and Ryan, and I did it again. Demise and Ben Schweiger redshirted this year. And the, the idea of redshirting Demise again, that kind of surprised me. Because last year he was supposed to redshirt. He didn't redshirt. He played in some games. Again, it was mop-up duty. It was garbage time minutes. But I thought maybe he could work his way into the rotation. But in thinking about it, you brought back your seniors outside of Crutwig. Then you had... Ryan Schwieger and Chris Knight come in from the Ivy League. Still had Marquise Kennedy. I really thought T.Y. was going to get some good minutes, too. You also had Jacob Hudson. Hello. So it would have been tough to work him in with the rotations Drew Valentine had in place. And the fact that he transferred already, I don't know how this new transfer rule works when it comes down to, okay, I transferred before... The new rule was in place. So Demise Anderson transferred before they implemented the one-time transfer rule. He's already transferred. And I had to look at the rule. I had to break it down. I haven't, I haven't had time. But I, when I do get some time here this week, I want to go into it and I want to see. Because there are a couple situations. Omar Payne at Illinois, prime example. Transferred in from Florida this year. He's in the transfer portal again. So if he leaves, does that mean they're eligible immediately because... They're transferring after the rules in place. Or does it include, okay, if you transferred already, we're implementing this rule. If you transfer again, you have to sit out. I don't know how this all works. This is new territory for us. So I'm going to do my best to look at that this week now that the tournament is over because I don't work tomorrow. Monday's my day off, and the national championship is on Monday, so then I don't need to work it. So I'm probably going to hit the old Google and figure out what's the deal here, and hoping to have that for you for next week's show. Now, T.Y., this is, again, this one was surprising. Because, again, Chicago kid, Lucas took him under his wing. I think he would have been a big part of the defense going forward because you have to remember who Loyola is losing this year. They are losing, again, Lucas Williamson, Ahir Ugwak, Tate Hall, Keith Clemens, and from the sounds of it, and I've been meaning to ask about this, and again, I haven't had time because there's been a little tournament going on. I don't think Ryan Schwieger and Chris Knight are getting that waiver. I'm not sure they're granting the Ivy League waiver. 
So let's just plan for them to not be in this conversation. That's kind of how it looks like Drew's operating. And I'll tell you why in a little bit, because there's a recruit that has Loyola in his, t- in his top three. With some big names, by the way. So you're losing six guys here. Now, you also have, by my count, if you count Ben Schweiger, I think you have four guys coming in. You've got Jaden Dawson. You've got Jalen Quinn. You have, I'm missing one. You've got Ben. Oh, I got to cheat. I was trying to do this off the top of my head. There's one more tra- there's one more freshman coming in. Trayvon Lewis. How could I forget Trey Lewis? So you've got those four guys coming in. And I'm counting Ben as coming in because he didn't play this year to help replace some of this firepower you're losing. So as we sit here now with the transfers out, and that's T.Y. and Demizi. There are four scholarship spots left. And again, Ben Schweiger redshirted, but he, since he didn't play, I'm counting him as a quote-unquote newcomer. He's a freak athlete, by the way. Have you seen the videos of him throwing down dunks? He's going to be exciting to watch. So that's what Drew has to work with here. He's got four scholarship spots now. He was going to have two. And I wasn't sure how he was going to go about that, given the names they've been linked to in the portal. And when I say linked to, I'm talking about two names in particular that stand out, and I'll tell you about that in a second. But with those four spots left, you have to replace a guy who didn't play this year, and you have to replace one of your, one of your freshmen who looked like he could have been a building block. And that's how Drew's got to attack the portal. And one more clarification here. This is why I've got to learn to stay off Twitter. So I retweeted the news about T.Y. Johnson. And all I said was, uh-oh. Well, my buddy Mike McDevitt, who was my former editor, he was a managing editor at the Phoenix when I was there, he's a good friend. He and I have a very unique sense of humor. Very unique. He and I have a unique sense of humor. And he responded, mass exodus, question mark, question mark. Got a couple replies thinking he was serious. And I do just want to throw out there, we were kidding. And that's why I retweeted it with the LSU jab. Because if you haven't seen about LSU, they fired their coach before Selection Sunday. They had 13 scholarship players last year. None of those 13 players are coming back. 11 hit the portal. Two are going to the draft. So Matt McMahon has his work cut out for him down in Baton Rouge. And that came out the 11th transfer, the final transfer, came out the same day T.Y. announced he was in the portal. So I, that's why I dropped the LSU reference. Now, my, Mike and I have a unique sense of humor. Like, we, it, it's, we understand it. And I saw people respond, say, thinking we were serious. And I just want to throw out there, we were kidding. There is no mass exodus going on here. I understand the players that are in the portal. We were, we were joking around. But T.Y., that's, that one, I wish him all the best. And this goes back to a lot gets made about high schoolers or recruits coming home. And there is an advantage to that. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that Loyola started recruiting in state hard and got some winners and had the success it had over the last five years. You know, I think Brad Underwood's trying to do that. Look at Io DeSumo, was an Illinois kid, Chicago kid. I know Ryan Peden at Illinois State wants to start recruiting in state more. I love that. Uh, Brett Bielema is wanting to do that at Illinois. I don't think it's a coincidence that when you can recruit your home state hard and find some good recruits in there, you have success. But at the same time, there's two sides. There's two sides to the coin. On the other side, maybe it's not good for some of these kids to stay home. And I'm just speculating. I don't know. I don't know Ty's situation. I want to be perfectly clear. I don't know his reasoning. But this is just a blanket statement that sometimes it just doesn't work out. And again, I'm not saying it didn't work out because T.Y. was close to home. I'm being perfectly clear on that. 
And I wish him all the best. I don't know where he's going to go. I mean, he was, he's been in the portal two days. I'm sure we'll hear – I know our guy at on three, Jamie Shaw, has been relentless about talking to these mid-major recruits. He's going to be one I'm sure Jamie will talk to. I'll have updates throughout with what Jamie's hearing. But now let's look at who else Loyola's looking at because they've got a transfer that they're really interested in and he seems interested in them. And they also have a big-time recruit that they've been linked to. And it's been a name that's been thrown around for a while. And I've got, a, I guess, an update of sorts from my guys at On3. Because I, with my job on the national news desk, I don't handle recruiting. I'm strictly the news. The recruiting side is a whole different operation. So you'll hear me cite guys like Jamie Shaw, Keegan Pope, Peter Warren, you will hear me talk about those guys when I talk about recruiting. So the first name I want to bring up to you is Hayden Brown. Now Hayden Brown is a transfer from the Citadel. And he's an interesting type of player. He is six foot five. But he averages just this last year, 18.8 points and 9.5 rebounds. If you go back to last year, 18.8 points, 10.5 rebounds. Now, the shooting percentages aren't necessarily there. 51% from the floor, 28% from three. But the fact that he pulls down 10 rebounds a game and he's six foot five, you cannot tell me that that would not be a picture-perfect, a dream scenario two-guard. Because your point guard is going to be the combination of Braden Norris and Marquise Kennedy. And I I might be in the minority on this. I think you need to keep bringing Marquise off the bench to lead that second unit. So that's your point guard situation. Unless you want to move Braden to the two, I guess. But if you can land Hayden Brown, who has Loyola in his top three, along with South Carolina and Georgia Tech. Now, I think of those three, I think Loyola's the best situation. South Carolina just underwent a coaching, a coaching change. Frank Martin, as I told you, went to UMass. And Georgia Tech's kind of a middle-of-the-pack ACC team, but again, it's the ACC. And if you're not familiar with the Citadel, you know, this past year, they struggled a little bit. And like I said, Hayden Brown, that's an interesting type of player. The Citadel went 13-18 and 18 overall. My Alexa just went off. 13-18 uh, and 18 overall, 6-12 and 12 for Citadel this year. They played in the SoCon, which is the same league as, say, Furman and Chattanooga and Samford. So this would be a big step up. I mean, going from the SoCon to the ACC would be quite a step up. Going from... SoCon to the A-10, not as much. And I have no idea what his timeline is for a decision. I mean, he's, he announced his top three the other day, and he didn't put anything about a potential decision date. I mean, I, I'll double-check that. But I didn't see anything about a potential decision coming anytime soon. I have not seen, no, there's nothing on on three either. But he'd be a grad transfer. And I think that'd be a really that'd be an intriguing get because of again his size. He's undersized at six five, but the way he rebounds, and I don't know how he is on defense. I haven't looked at any film, any tape. But I think that would be a good get for Drew Valentine and company. You know, that's something we got to keep an eye on this week, especially with T.Y. Johnson in the portal. I think that's gonna be a name to keep an eye on this week. I have another one here as we approach National Signing Day, which, by the way, National Signing Day for basketball this year, we're past the early period. The regular signing period starts April 13th. So if you're doing your math, that's 10 days from now. So we've got a lot to figure out here in the next 10 days. I have another name that I have. A, this one I have a, a full-on update for you on. 
But before I tell you that, we're at the bottom of the hour, so I have to remind you you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM, Chicago Sound Alliance, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, Chicago. I'm still coming to you from beautiful, scenic, historic Dwight, Illinois. If you want to chime in on the conversation here, talking recruiting, talking Loyola basketball, talking NCAA basketball as a whole, feel free to shoot me a tweet at NickSchultz underscore 7 or slide into my DMs. I have my tweet deck open. We'll read what I can. On the show today, we got another half hour left. So I've received a lot of DMs, a lot of tweets about this recruit. And I've been kind of monitoring because he's just outside our top 100 on on three. I think, is it Bobby Clintman? I think it's Bobby Clintman, B-O-B-I. If you're not familiar, he committed to Maryland in October, but then Mark Turgeon stepped down, so he decommitted. Now, Loyola was in big time on him out of Sunrise Christian. And he's, he's still there. He's still at Sunrise. He's a senior. And Loyola was in on him from the get-go. And then he decommitted from Maryland. That was one of the first names to come back up was, oh, what about Bobby Clintman? He's 6'8". He took official visits to Loyola. He took an official visit to Loyola and Rutgers and Maryland. And he's a player to watch. He's a four-star in our rankings, just outside our top 100. He comes in here once I find it again. Comes in as the number 26 small forward in the country in our consensus rankings. He is top 100 in our on three rankings. So let's clarify something here. The on three consensus weighs rivals ESPN 24-7 and on three. On three's rankings are strictly on three. So Bobby Clinton right now is the number 82 player in the country in our rankings. Number 20 small forward in our consensus rankings, which is the one we use. 111th in the country, 26th ranked small forward in the nation. And he's also holding some big-time offers here, Kansas, Virginia, Nebraska, San Francisco, which just Todd Golden just left. So I'm guessing San Francisco is going to be out of the running on this. Not sure that situation there. Now, about a month or so ago, he talked with our guy Jamie Shaw, who's just a beast. I love Jamie. And here's what he told Jamie about a month ago. Uh, quote, the decision to decommit from Maryland was basically because Coach Turgeon is no longer there. I'm not sure if Coach Manning is going to keep his job. He didn't. There was too much up and down there, and my mom and I decided to reopen my recruitment. I have two visits left to take, and I'm not sure yet who will get those. I took official visits to Maryland, Loyola, Chicago, and Rutgers. They're still in the mix for me. I hear a lot from Arizona State, Central Florida, and VCU right now. That was a month ago. Now, 12 days ago, Keegan Pope caught up, I guess, with them. And here's what Keegan wrote. Uh, the skinny, Clintman committed to Maryland in October only to decommit after Mark Turgeon stepped down. He's already taken official visits to Maryland, Loyola, Chicago, and Rutgers and recently told on three's Jamie Shaw that Arizona State, Central Florida, and VCU are programs he's hearing from regularly. Now, Jamie also listed Bobby as one of his top he was one of the top five, top six unsigned recruits heading into National Signing Day coming up 10 days. And Bobby Clintman, he says here, the status is decommitted from Maryland, taking official visits to Loyola, Chicago, and Rutgers. So I guess, reading between the lines here, no insight whatsoever. I'm guessing those three are going to be your teams to watch. You know, Loyola was in on him hot, and, you know, I... I'd have to find this. I would have to dig for it. But someone said that that Loyola was in the top two. I haven't been able to find that on three anywhere. That doesn't mean he didn't say it. Now, remember, Maryland hired Kevin Willard from Seton Hall to take over from Mark Turgeon. And I think that's a good hire, but is it going to be enough to keep Bobby Clintman? Is it going to be enough... To get him to commit back to the Terps, I'm not sure. Again, we are 10 days from signing day. Now let's take you back to a year ago. Actually, a year ago today. 
today, yesterday, I think it's a year ago today, it was, it was official a year ago yesterday, is when things started coming out about it. So, remember a year ago now, when Porter Moser left for Oklahoma? Well, a few days after that, Loyola received a big-time commitment. There was some kid named St. Thomas. And St. Thomas was a top recruit, and this was before on three launch, so I don't think he has his rankings in our database yet. At least from last year, he does not. But he was a highly touted recruit, and this is based on the info we have here. He had interest from Mississippi State, VCU, Virginia Tech, UC Santa Barbara, Wofford, Obviously, Loyola expressed interest. That was shortly after Drew Valentine took over for Porter Moser. And I'm going to get you the exact timeline here. That was April 13th. So that was 10 days. 10 days after Drew Valentine takes over, he lands St. Thomas who was an All-American in Nebraska. So this shows what can happen in these 10 days. That was with a coaching change. Now, granted, Drew was probably the top recruiter on that because Drew took, I think he took the lead on recruiting. Or at least he was very, I know he was very much involved with recruiting. I don't know if he was the lead recruiter. So that was a little different situation. But the fact that they pulled that off after Moser took off for Norman, and he brought a recruit with him, if I remember right. Remember, Saint was Nebraska Super State first team, Nebraska High School Player of the Year by Max Preps. Here's the list of offers. VCU, SMU, Murray State, Indiana State, Illinois State, Bradley, among others. We saw flashes of what he could do this year. I think he's going to be a big part of things next year. But why am I telling you about a kid who committed a year ago, and why am I bringing up the fact that it's been a year since Porter Moser took off for Oklahoma? I'm telling you that because signing day is coming up in 10 days. There's so much left to decide. This is a huge week for recruits and commitments, especially now with the Final Four wrapping up. I'm going to be very much intrigued about what happens, especially because, again, Loyola has four scholarship spots available. And I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen with Hayden Brown. I don't know what's going to happen with Bobby Clinton. It's a lot up in the air, but it'll, it'll get figured out here soon, especially as the signing period goes on. All right, moving over to some A-10 news. I teased this at the beginning of the show. I kept telling you GW is looking for a coach. Jamie and Christian out. I have no idea why. They had their most competitive year in years this year. For some reason, they let him go and his entire staff go. Now they bring in Chris Caputo. Now, Chris Caputo spent the last 20 or so years with Jim Laraniega. First at George Mason, now at Miami. So he's familiar with the A-10 from his days at George Mason. Now, Jamie and Christian was coming off his first ever head coaching job, and he was young. Jamie Christian was the coach at Siena for a year before heading to GW. Oh, I'm sorry, he was at Mount St. Mary's, too. That was not his first coaching job. My apologies. He was at Mount St. Mary's for a few years before one year at Siena. And St. Mary's, by the way, they play in the Northeast Conference. And Siena plays in the MAC, not the Mid-American Conference. The Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. If you want to know more about the MAC, look at St. Peter's. They're from the MAC. So he spent a year there and then moved up to GW. Now Chris Caputo, again, long tenure with Jim Laranaga. And I think if there's anybody to pull from, and by the way, he was Miami's associate head coach the last seven years. If there's anybody to pull from the coaching tree, it's Jim Laranaga. Remember Lonnie Walker? He's playing for the San Antonio Spurs now, doing pretty well. He was a Miami product. You know who one of his assistants was? Chris Caputo. I really like this hire. Now, again, 
I like the Jamie and Christian hire. I still do. I thought that was a good hire. You know, a young guy who's been around the Mac and familiar with the area. I thought maybe he'd bring some success in there. I still think there's more to that story. But now they bring in this guy, Chris Caputo, and this is big. That's a that's a really good hire. Again, it's not the caliber of you know Frank Martin, who was at South Carolina for a while. Archie Miller, who was at Indiana, didn't take Indiana to the tournament, but still a very good coach. He was a coach at Dayton for a while. But still, I think this is big time. And it adds to that impressive list of coaches coming into the A-10. The only opening still left is LaSalle, because they haven't hired a coach yet. And I don't know what's going on with that situation. LaSalle, it's a, it's a, it's a weird spot for them. But still, things are getting clearer. The picture is becoming clearer in the A-10 in terms of coaching. I think LaSalle is the only opening left. And just a refresher here, Frank Martin is at UMass after, what, 10 years at South Carolina. So he's going from the SEC to the A-10, which is, wow. And Archie Miller coached at Indiana. Didn't take Indiana to the tournament. Got let go there, and there were rumors about Porter Moser going to Indiana. I did not think that was going to happen. I didn't think Indiana was a good fit. They obviously hired Mike Woodson, who did what Archie Miller couldn't do in five years, and took Indiana to the tournament this year in his first year. Now, the difference with Mike Woodson is he also had somebody in his ear, somebody who was helping oversee the basketball programs at IU. And that person was Thad Mata. Thad Mata is getting back in the game. After one year with Mike Woodson at Indiana, and I think he was involved in the hiring there, not sure what that dynamic was like. I didn't cover much IU. I just know there was a dynamic there. Thad Mata is heading back to Butler. And you're probably wondering, Nick, heading back to Butler? I thought he was at Ohio State. He was at Butler for a year. And also, the thing about Thad Mata, anybody know where he's from? I found this out today. I didn't realize this. He is from Hoopston, Illinois. And it's not Hoopston, Illinois. It is Hoopston, Illinois. And I won't say it on the air, but you should look up what Hoopston High School's mascot is. We had to, so, I I love that I'm being able to tell this story. So I I make known in the high school, I was in the band. And we went to these band competitions. Well, one of them was Muhammad Seymour, which is down by Champaign. And Hoopston is down that way as well. And their mascot, and again, I'm not going to tell you what their mascot is. I want you to go Google it. And I want, I want you to let me know if you Googled it. Hoopston High School mascot. And either tweet me or DM me if you found out what Hoopston's mascot is. I might tweet it after the show because I know someone, someone made mention of where Thad Mott is from. But anyway, Hoopston High School was at this band competition. And their mascot was there. And it was a big ear of corn walking around with a big smile on his face. That is where I'm from, people. Thad Mata went to high school, or at least he went to high school. He's from Hoopston, Illinois. Yeah, he went to Hoopston East Lynn High School. Yeah, look up Hoopston High School mascot. Get back to me. I want to know everybody's reaction. He played a year at Southern Illinois. There's a Missouri Valley connection. And then played at Butler, was an assistant at Butler. Then he was a head coach there for a year before going to Xavier. And then he went to Ohio State. And this past year was his first year as the associate athletic director at Indiana. Now he's getting back into the coaching game at Butler. That just came out this morning. I mean, that was, what, 10.30, I think, that came out. And I came on the air at 11. So that's big. That's a big-time hire for Butler. And the I said this when I saw it. Two days ago, not even 48 hours ago, they fired Laval Jordan. And the thing there was, April 1, and again, it was not an April Fool's joke, they actually did fire Laval Jordan. According to Jeff Goodman at Stadium and a couple others, Laval Jordan's buyout dropped significantly on April 1st, which meant it was cheaper to fire him that day than earlier in the offseason. But at the same time, I told you, the early, or the early, The regular signing period starts April 13th. So they fired him 12 days before the signing period starts. They're missing out on recruiting. They're not sure if they're going to lose some guys to the transfer portal now that they fired their coach. 
Not a great situation there. But bringing in Thad Mata, I think that's huge. And if you're not familiar with his coaching resume, 439 and 154 as a head coach, 24 and 13. In the NCAA tournament, he's, he's coached in two Final Fours with Ohio State. And he also, remember, coached in the A-10 when Xavier was in the A-10. So there's an A-10 connection here as well. Horizon League Coach of the Year in 2001. Atlantic 10 Coach of the Year in 2002. Three-time Big Ten Coach of the Year. 2006, 2007, 2010. So this is huge. And I know there's been reports and people have said that part of the reason he stepped away from Ohio State was because of his health. Well, he's back on the sidelines now. Clipston's very own, Thad Mata. Also of note, more locally, not that you can't get more local than Hoopston, Illinois, from where I'm from, but in Champaign, Brad Underwood got a nice extension. And I talked last week, I felt like we needed to have a conversation about Brad Underwood. Well, Josh Whitman's rolling the dice. He gave him a nice extension through, I think, 2027. And that's just interesting. You know, I talked about the fact that he's never made a Sweet 16. Not at Stephen F. Austin, not at Oklahoma State the year he was there. Not at Illinois. And he didn't make the Sweet 16 when he had Iota Sumu and Kofi Coburn on the roster. And now they're probably going to see some turnover because, again, Omar Payne entered the portal yesterday, which that's not a big piece, but I still think he could have played a role in replacing Kofi if Kofi goes to the NBA draft. You know, you're, you might lose Grandison. You're losing Trent Frazier. Alfonso Plummer was a one-year transfer. And there are a couple other names that they're losing as well. But if you lose Coburn, yeah, okay, you got Coleman Hawkins you can throw at the five. What else do you have? And I know they're in big on Skywalker. Or Sky Clark, I'm sorry, Sky Clark. And he's in Jamie Shaw's unsigned 2022s playing at the Geico Championship. So, okay, I should clarify. Bobby Clintman is not one of the top unsigned recruits. He was playing at the Geico Championships. And Sky Clark is our number 32 ranked player in the country at on three. And Illinois is in his top six, along with Louisville, Washington, Tennessee, Maryland, and Southern California. Why didn't he just say USC? So Louisville, Washington, Tennessee, Maryland, USC, and Illinois are his top six. So that would be a good get at point guard because now they've also lost Andre Corbello to the portal, which that's not unexpected. And again, I brought I think I brought this up last week as well. Losing Andre Curbelo was not totally unexpected considering he had two words. Underwood had two words about why Curbelo didn't play in the second half against Houston. Coach's decision. That's all he said. Coach's decision. So I had a feeling that was coming. And he's hearing from some impressive names in the transfer portal. I wrote about this the other day for On3, and this was shortly after he entered the portal. I think this was like, what, two days afterward or something like that? He is On3's top recruit in the portal, or top transfer in the portal, according to our transfer portal rankings, which is, that's huge that we have that, that we rank the players in the transfer portal like that. So this was the other day. This is from Jeff Goodman. Get a load of these names that have reached out to Andre Corbello. Gonzaga, St. John's, Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh, Kansas State, St. Mary's, Clemson, and Texas A&M. That is an impressive list of teams. And I don't know if I can pick a leader in the clubhouse right now based off that list. I haven't heard much more on it. But no, he is in the portal. That was as of last week. That was Monday. So that was Monday, and this this list of teams came out on Wednesday. So no clue what's next for Andre Cabello. But yeah, interesting developments down there in Champaign at Illinois. Underwood signing the extension, Cabello in the portal, Omar Payne in the portal. Now, Omar Payne played at Florida. He's got a similar situation to Demise Anderson. In terms of he transferred already, he transferred before the rule was in place. Actually, no, he transferred after. I'm sorry. little different. So Omar Payne transferred this year. Demise transferred last year. So 
This will be Omar Payne's second transfer since the rule was in place. I'm guessing he'll have to sit out now. I think that's how the rule was written. Unless he can get a waiver. So yeah, big things going on in college basketball as we approach the national championship coming up tomorrow night. North Carolina versus Kansas in New Orleans at the Caesar Superdome. That is going to be a good game. I can't wait for it. All right, we got 10 minutes left here. I've got some time to talk some pro sports. I've talked a lot of college over the last month. Figured I'd mix in some pro sports here while i got 10 minutes left. If anybody wants to chime in on the college basketball conversation, though, feel free to tweet me at NickSchultz underscore 7 or slide in my DMs, hoping to one day get back in the studio, at least one day to take some phone calls. White Sox made a big move this week. Trade Craig Kimbrell to the Dodgers for A.J. Pollock. That's big because it's a win-win for both teams. The Dodgers get their closer because Kenley Jansen's gone. And the White Sox get their right fielder. Now, A.J. Pollock has only played six games in his career in right field, but he's also a 300 hitter. So you've got a good hitting outfielder. You know, I really like this move. I like that trade. I think the writing was on the wall that Kimbrell was going to get traded. Remember, he had a great year for the Cubs. And then the Cubs traded him to the White Sox, and Tony La Russa insisted on using him in the eighth inning instead of Liam Hendricks, and the wheels came off the bus. So now Kimbrell's heading to L.A. where he's going to be back as a closer. He's probably going to light it up. One other thing about the White Sox and Tony La Russa, am I the only one who laughed when he had to clarify his comments because he said, if you think we can't win with the roster we have here, you're not a true White Sox fan, you're not a good White Sox fan. And then he went and said, I didn't say that when he did. I. He also used some colorful language that just makes me laugh when coaches and managers use colorful language like that. Well, when it's not at the media, at Penny Hardaway. But no, that was just a weird exchange this week with Tony La Russa. White Sox also missed out on Sean Manaya, Valpo native, played at Indiana State. You know, there were rumors, and I guess they were in on him pretty well in the trade discussions. This came out before we came on the air as well. Sean Manaya is heading to San Diego. And that's from Jeff Pass and Ken Rosenthal, et cetera, et cetera. The full trade for that, by the way. Sean Manaya and Aaron Holiday to San Diego for Adrian Martinez, not that Adrian Martinez. I thought I did the same thing. Not the first baseman who played for the Dodgers and the Red Sox. The prospect, Adrian Martinez. Oakland's also getting, I'm going to butcher this, Uribiel Angeles, Angeles. I think if you're pronouncing it in the dialect, it's Uribiel Angeles. So that's the trade. White Sox missed out on Shamanaya, but that's okay, I think. Uh, the problem is, though, Garrett Crochet needs Tommy John surgery, which that's not good. And the Cubs are... I was kind of half following this yesterday because of the Final Four. The Cubs and Mets were two teams that came up for Eric Hosmer. But then the Mets were going to make a trade for Eric Hosmer, and then the trade hit a snag, and John Heyman said it might not happen at all. And then reports are saying, well, he might go to the Mets and they might flip him right away and make it a three-team trade. The Cubs are apparently still in on Eric Hosmer for their first baseman. I don't know. That's interesting. But that's got to get figured out soon because opening day is coming up on Thursday. I can't wait. Thursday's going to be so great. Um, Thursday's going to be an awesome sports day. You've got opening day for baseball. And you have first round of the Masters. That is a great sports day. I'm going to be glued to my TV all day. I know I've got, I've got to work at night. But that's going to be so fun to watch while I'm working. You know, I think the White Sox are poised for a big year this year. Cubs, who knows? You know, they, I like Seiya Suzuki a lot. I really like the Marcus Stroman signing. If they can get Eric Hosmer in there, I think that'll be good as well. I think the baseball teams in town 
It's going to be fun to watch. Hopefully the Cubs are better than last year. Last year sucked. We've also got the Bulls entering the home stretch of the season. Not a great game last night against Miami. The very little bit I was able to watch during the Final Four. Final score last night, Heat 127, Bulls 109. And hearing me talk about the number four, there are four games left on the schedule for the Bulls this year. Three home games and a road game. You got the homestand wrapping up against Milwaukee, Boston, and Charlotte. And then on Sunday, a week from today, regular season ends. One week left in the regular season. Bulls play Minnesota on the road to close out the regular season schedule. They are five games out of first place in the Eastern Conference. They are now in sixth place after the loss last night because Toronto has rattled off five wins in a row, which means my ticket for the Bulls finishing in the top four in the East is probably dead because they are now two and a half games back of Philadelphia with four games left. So win some, lose some. The, my over for the win total hit, so it washes out. But yeah, a lot to figure out here now. If it comes down to a tiebreaker between Toronto, Chicago, and Cleveland, the Bulls hold a tiebreaker over both the Raptors and the Cavaliers. So if they all tie for fifth, the Bulls would finish as the five seed. Or if the Bulls tie with one of them, which looking at the standings now, let's say they tie with Cleveland for sixth, the Bulls would be out of the play-in tournament and into the playoffs. So there's still plenty up in the air going forward here. Now, beginning of the year, let's think back here. And I'm going to address this next week, too, when we get a clearer picture of where the Bulls finish. But let's just, this is a tease, as we say in the business. Remember at the beginning of the year, I said the Bulls should be a top five team in the East. And I wasn't going to back down from that. Now, they battled some injuries. The injuries are no excuse, though. Lonzo Ball, we'll get an update this week if he'll be back in the regular season or not. I don't, he hasn't started sprinting yet, but he's starting to ramp up and bounce back from the meniscus tear. Right now, with Lonzo being out as long as he is, the Bulls are a half game out of being the number five seed, being top five team in the East, as I predicted. Now, I think they need to add some size next year, and they'll be a legit contender, because you've got to add some size, because Milwaukee has some guy named Giannis, who's a freak in nature. Philadelphia, who the Bulls have never beaten with this guy, they have some guy named Joel Embiid, who the, uh, again, the Bulls have never beaten Joel Embiid. I, I think if Joel Embiid played the Bulls every night, he'd average 45 points a game. I'm not exaggerating. I think he averages about 38 points a game against the Bulls. The Raptors are a big team. The Cavs really bought into their size, but they're battling injuries. Miami's just a well-coached team. I mean, Eric Spolster just doesn't get enough credit, in my opinion, when you talk about the best coaches in the league. So next week, we're going to do a deep dive into, okay, where are the Bulls going to finish? How did that meet expectations given everything they went through with COVID and the injuries? Now, the injuries are no excuse for that stretch where they went, what, 3-11 and 11 or something like that? Of course, I needed four wins to get to my win total I needed for my ticket. And they went 3-11 and 11 on me. But we got it. We're good. We're chilling. But now next week, we're going to look at, okay, where are the Bulls going to finish? How does that impact the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera? We get to talk playoff basketball. It's going to be so great. We don't have to worry about the draft lottery either, unless the Bulls fall into the play-in tournament. But I also, by the way, I'm going to talk NBA draft here in the next few weeks. I talk about it on the podcast as well every Wednesday. Don't forget I do a Bulls podcast on Wednesdays. I've talked about the NBA draft during the NCAA tournament to give you some names to watch. One name I threw out for you was Walker Kessler, seven-footer from Auburn. He was named the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year today. That just came out during the show. Keep an eye on that name if he declares for the draft. Another one to watch is Mark Williams, who you saw last night in that classic between Duke and North Carolina. I'm going to dive into that down the road, though. we got some time left. The lottery's not for another month. There's a few games left in the regular season. But either way, fantastic sports week on tap. You've got the Masters this weekend from Augusta National. You've got baseball starting. You've got the National Championship tomorrow. You've got the NBA entering the playoff stretch. Last week of the regular season for the NBA. Is hockey still a sport? I don't even know. I don't watch the Blackhawks. But we've got a lot of fun ahead in the next few days. 
And I can't wait to recap it with you next week here on the Sunday Sports Shootout on WAUW 88.7 FM. I'm going to go ahead and wrap her up here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for listening to me talk about the transfer portal and everything and indulging me as I kind of walk through some different scenarios. Enjoy the national championship tomorrow. I'm taking Kansas over North Carolina. I think it's going to be a good game, but I'm taking Kansas. I know Illinois fans cringe when I hear Bill Self's going to win another, another title. But I think that's what's going to happen. Talk to you back here next Sunday. Stay, stay, stay healthy, my friends. Have an awesome week. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Enjoy the Masters this weekend. Take care.